Amen. Psalm chapter 3, He will lift your head. Thank you, John, choir, orchestra. Look forward to hearing from you again tonight and uh, joining together with our sister choirs across this region, people that will be in this place. It'll be a glorious good evening kicking off the pastor's conference of the Florida Baptist Convention uh, tonight. Hope you'll come and join us. Take your Bible this morning. We're working our way through the book of Acts during the last half of this year and into the new year. We come to the middle of it today, 28 chapters. We are in chapter 14 today, making our way halfway through. And so you turn with me to Acts 14. I'm going to read the entire chapter this morning. I'll preach a couple of three times out of this in weeks to come. But uh, the context today of uh, Acts 14, we'll read this conclusion of the first missionary journey of Paul and Barnabas, and uh, we'll find them there, and we'll find our text today when we get down to the end in verse 27, a message that I've entitled right out of the Scripture, A Door of Faith, A Door of Faith. Acts 14, I began reading in verse number 1, you follow along because this now is the word of our great God. In Iconium they entered the synagogue of the Jews together and spoke in such a manner that a large number of people believed, both Jews and of Greeks. But the Jews who disbelieved stirred up the minds of the Gentiles and embittered them against the brethren. Therefore they spent a long time there speaking boldly with reliance upon the Lord who was testifying to his word of grace, granting that signs and wonders be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, and some with the apostles. And when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to mistreat and to stone them, they became aware of it and fled to the cities of Laconia, those cities being Lystra and Derbe, and the surrounding region. And there they continued to preach the gospel. At Lystra a man was sitting who had no strength in his feet, lame from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man was listening to Paul as he spoke, who, when he had fixed his gaze upon him and had seen that he had faith to be made well, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he leaped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they raised their voice, saying in the Lyconian language, The gods have become like men and have come down to us. And they began calling Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifices with the crowd. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Saul, heard of it, they tore their robes and rushed out into the crowds, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature as you, and preach the gospel to you that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In the generations gone by, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways, and yet he did not leave himself without witness, in that he did good and gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even saying these things with difficulty, they restrained the crowds from offering sacrifice to them. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, 
And having won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. But while the disciples stood around him, he got up and entered the city. The next day he went away with Barnabas to Derbe. And after they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. They passed through Pisidia, then came to Pamphylia, and when they spoke the word in Perga, they went down to Atala. From there they sailed to Antioch, from which they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had accomplished. And when they arrived, that is in Antioch, and gathered the church together, they began to report all things that God had done with them, and how he had, and here's our text for the morning, opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they spent a long time with the disciples. At the end of this journey, they reported, God has opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. This picture of a door is used all through the Word of God. You find it in Genesis chapter 4 and verse number 7 when uh, God is speaking to Cain when he's dealing with Abel and, and God said to Cain, sin is crouching at the door. In Psalm 141 in verse number 3, the psalmist prayed, Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. We get the phrase, shut your trap from that. Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. Jesus said in John 10, in verse number 9, I am the door, and if anyone enters, he will be saved. And in the Apocalypsis, in Revelation 3, and verse 20, of course, we find the Lord, Behold, I stand at the door, and I knock. If any man will open. I'll come in. That's not a salvation verse. That's a revival verse. He's standing at the door of the church. Jesus is locked out of the church. He says, I'm standing at the church house door. I'm knocking. And if any church will open it, I'll come in and fellowship with them and they with me. This first missionary journey ends with this description that God opened a door of faith not to the Jews, but to the Gentiles. Now, never forget this. Salvation is a transition from the room of lostness into the room of redemption when you pass through the door of faith. It's not even a door that you can build. It's not a door that you open. For by grace are we saved through faith. And we move from the room of lostness into the room of salvation. So my question for everyone in this room, my question for everyone on the Warrington campus listening this morning, anyone on television, radio, internet, Wherever you may be and in this room today, I ask you this question, which room do you reside in right now? The room of lostness, the room hellbound, or the room of redemption, 
heaven-bound. And can you take me to a place and tell me of a time when you went through the door of faith? Paul and Barnabas had been sent out from Antioch in Syria today in southeastern Turkey. They came down as we saw them to Cyprus. There they dealt with people, then took the ship northward up to Antioch, not the Antioch they came from, but this is Antioch, Pisidia. And there they did work, going to Derby and Lystra, and then sailing back down and all the way back to Antioch and giving the report of what God had done on this missionary trip in that he opened the door. <gasps> Jews the gospel is for everyone and the Jews didn't like it but God opened the door for you for you for this project Thank God for the door of faith that has been opened to us today. It's that door I want to talk to you about a few minutes this morning. Let's describe the door of faith moving from lostness into the sanctuary of salvation. First of all, I, I submit to you it is a gospel door. It's a gospel door. In, in verse number 3, they, they preach grace. In verse number 7, it says they preach the gospel. In verse number 15, it says they preach the gospel. In verse number 21, they preach the gospel. Amen. The good news. We say, what is the gospel? Well, I, I could read it from a lot of different people, but I found a description this week I had never seen before from C.H. Spurgeon, of all people, Spurgeon said that the gospel has three things in it, and I want to share those three things with you. This gospel door, Spurgeon said there are three things in this. Number one, the gospel has, number one, certain facts. Number two, certain doctrines. And thirdly, certain demands. First of all, the gospel has certain facts in it. God, looking upon the race of men, beheld them lost and ruined. Out of love to them, he sent his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was born of the Virgin Mary, lived for 33 years, a life of spotless innocence and perfect obedience. He was God and he was man, and in due time he was delivered up by the traitor Judas. He was crucified and actually put to death. And though he was the Lord of life and glory, who only, only he has immortality, yet he bowed his head and gave up the ghost and after three days he rose again showed himself to many that were his disciples so that they were well assured he was the same person who had been put in the grave and when the 40 days were finished he ascended up to heaven in the sight of them all where he sitteth at the right hand of God and shall also come a second time to judge both the quick and the dead these are the facts of the gospel says Spurgeon Jesus Jesus Jesus, Jesus, Je those are the facts. The facts are about him, not you. The gospel door is about the life of Christ, sinless perfection, an atoning death, a victorious resurrection, ascending to that 
place of prayer and soon coming back for us again. Glory be unto his name. The gospel is filled with certain facts. But secondly, Spurgeon said it's filled with certain doctrines, three of them that he enumerated. Number one is the doctrine of atonement. Christ the just suffered for us to bring us to God. He went yonder to the cross, dying for you and dying for me. The doctrine of atonement. He paid the price. Secondly is the doctrine of pardon. Of pardon. Sinners look to the wounds of Jesus and your sins shall be forgiven. There is in a Russian work camp this day a tall basketball female by the name of Brittany Griner, who was arrested in Russia for using marijuana. And they've sentenced her to nine years in a Russian prison. Our government working to try to get her out. Now what they have to do to get her out of there is someone to pardon her. They have to set aside her sentence and let her go. Let me tell you, friend, that's what Jesus did for you. You didn't earn it. He came and died for you, and he sets aside your sin debt and sets you free. Many of you know my son. He grew up here from a little boy. He's now a prosecuting attorney in Escambia County, northwest Florida. We'll have it lunch today, and my granddaughters will look at him and say, Uncle Bubba, did you put anybody in jail this week? They ask every time. And oh, the tales that can be told from the prosecutor's office. Some that you dare not even tell a nine or a seven-year-old. And all that's involved. Dear friend, never forget. You're more guilty than anyone who's ever walked in a courtroom. For there is none without sin and we all need a pardon and thank God we have one who has paid the sin debt and opened the door of faith to the Jews and the Gentiles the doctrine of atonement, the doctrine of pardon. And then thirdly is the doctrine of justification. His holiness imputed to you as a sinner, his righteousness, and you have been declared justified. Hallelujah. He's written your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, and he declared it's a legal legal statement you are not now guilty and have to pay you are guilty and you don't have to pay justified the gospel 
has certain facts. The gospel has certain doctrines. And then thirdly, the gospel has certain demands that it places. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Amen. You must believe on his name. Faith is all through this book. And then he says, arise, believe, and be baptized. Baptism doesn't save you. We're about to have the Florida Baptist Convention. The Dunkers have come to town. Where did that name come from? Why, it comes from baptism. That we've been placed under the water and out of the water. Hallelujah. Jesus put that demand. Doesn't make you, doesn't make you saved, but it's the first step of obedience. We should arise, believe, and then be baptized. This is a gospel door. But secondly... Not only is this door of faith a gospel door, it's a controversial door. A con All through this text, this 14th chapter, you find the controversy of the gospel. In verse number 2, uh, the Bible says in Acts 14 that the Jews who disbelieved came and stirred up the minds of the Gentiles. These people are always around. Verse number 4, the Bible says the people in the city were divided. They were divided. In verse number 5, they became ill and wanted to mistreat them and wanted to stone them. A lame man, in verse number 8, Paul found had faith, and he saw his faith and told him to rise, and he rose, and he walked. Then the priest from the temple of Zeus came running in, with all the people and said, the, the gods have been incarnated. They, they're among us. And when Paul and Barnabas heard it, they said, no, goodness, no, no. We, we are not gods. We are men like you. And they still wanted to worship them. And Paul would have nothing of it. When we get to verse 19, the Jews came from Iconium. And when they got there, the Bible says in verse 19, they stoned him drug him out of the city, and left him for dead. Does that sound familiar? Oh, it ought to. Paul started his gospel journey watching Stephen get stoned. You remember we preached about it, and I made the statement right here, when Stephen prayed, God forgive them. If Stephen hadn't prayed, Paul would have never preached. And let me tell you, if Paul hadn't preached, he wouldn't have been stoned. But he did preach, and he did get stoned. They drug him out and left him for dead. Well, was he dead? We don't know. Just as they left him for dead. Did God raise him from the dead? We don't know. All we know is he got up. And after he got up, he left. And then, after he'd been stoned in Lystra, he left for a few days, and then he walked back through Lystra. I'd like to have been there that day. I thought he's dead. We, we stoned him, left him out by the city limit sign. And here came the old apostle. Scabs and bruises, busted up. What did he do? If he'd have been one of us, he'd have sued him. 
he wasn't that kind of Baptist. He preached the gospel unto them. Let me tell you, friend, you, you preach this gospel, it's controversial. As a matter of fact, listen to what Jesus said about it in Matthew's gospel, chapter 10, verses 34, 35, and 36. Jesus said this. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. For I came to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be members of his household. You preach this gospel, those that don't believe, they will even, members of your family, will go away from you. And then your enemies will be more like your family than your family that disbelieve on. The gospel is controversial. The gospel is like a sword. It sets one man against another, and one believes and one does not believe. We are to be preaching this gospel. We must make this gospel known, and we must make it clear, and we must never falter, even if they stone us and leave us for dead. Even if it costs you your job. Even if it costs you your friends. Make it known that God hath become flesh and dwelt among us and he has died for the sin of the... This is a gospel door. This is a controversial door. But thirdly, I want you to tell, tell you one more thing. Oh, glory to God. This door... This door of faith, a gospel door, this door of faith, a controversial, this door is a miracle door. It's a miracle door. In verse number 27, the Bible says when they got back to Antioch, matter of fact, there's a miracle going on in Antioch today. <laughs> They're rebuilding the Antioch church. Some of our church uh, planters that are there are rebuilding the old church. That's the mother church of all our churches. They're rebuilding this church. I plan to go there and preach in months to come when they get it built. Had an invite come to me. I plan to go and be there. Southeast Turkey. Go and preach the gospel in Antioch. Glory to God. I hope the Lord allows me to do that. He arrived there and they gathered them. They began to report the things that God had done that he had opened this door. And they, they began to have a look back. They, they look back at the first missionary journey, and Paul began to tell them everything that happened. They said, don't forget when we're in Salamis, the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, the mayor got saved. Hallelujah. It's a good day when the mayor gets saved. It'll be a good day when the senators get saved. It's a good day when the congressman gets saved. Amen. It's a good day if the dog catcher gets saved. I'm, I'm just telling you, it's a good day, and it's a miracle day, and God can do it. When they went to Pisidian Antioch, the whole city turned out. They told about it. In chapter 13, verse 48, they said, Everyone who is appointed unto eternal life believed. These people came and believed. And then it says some would not believe, so they shook the dust off their feet, and they left. And then Paul looked at them and said, Brothers and sisters, Jews and Gentiles, got saved. This is a miracle door. When you come through this door, you are changed forever when you walk through that door. I love to come to Olive on Tuesday night. 
Here's what I see on Tuesday night. I usually come about 6 o'clock. And I park out here. And I don't park in the pastor's parking space. I do all the rest of the time. And all of you guests that are here this week, it's clearly marked, so don't get in it. I park out, and the first thing I do is I I walk out to the new college building. I met a big old boy in there this week. He's 6'5". Matter of fact, I sent his daddy a picture. I stood on a chair, so I was taller than he was. They're from down central Florida way. He's up here at the university. I sent his daddy that picture. I see all these college students that need Jesus. God's doing a miraculous work in those college kids on Tuesday night. Boy, they're, they're all trim and good looking. Wear all those college clothes. You know how they do. I don't look anything like they do. They got tight skin. <laughs> y'all, y'all remember when you had tight skin? Wasn't that good? Amen. Yeah, you didn't have a hangy down part, you know. <laughs> they fit, you know. They're walking, having big old arms. You know, all those guys got the big arms. They wear a tight shirt. They, they don't wear something floppy. They wear a tight shirt, you know. I always, when I find the biggest guy in there, I always look at him. I say, did you work out today or just mess around? <laughs> He'd look at me. But the strongest, most beautiful college kid out there has to bow at the gate and walk through the door to get the glory. And God does it. God does it. Then I leave there and I walk over here and I, I walk into the chapel. Most excellent ways happening in the chapel. That's for the people with alcohol and addiction problems. They don't look nothing like that crowd out yonder. They're kind of tattered and bent over and shuffling. They put that poison in their body and they busted and bruised and broken but joyful. They shake my hand and say, Pastor, thanks for having this meeting. They say, I'd be dead if it wasn't for Jesus. Jesus changed my life. In the second service day, this section right here will be full. These, these people coming out of that ministry. They all sit here and God reaches to the drunkard in the gutter they pass through the miracle door that's a business we're in amen glory to God I leave there and I either go to the gym now I go out to the ball fields and there's children everywhere children well they're running and jumping and flipping and flopping every now and even they catch a ball They throw that thing. Hey, Pastor, how are you? Kids love the preacher. Amen. 
I'll rub their head, hug on them. And then on a Sunday, I'll we'll sing that song and that little 10-year-old will come. And I'll say, why'd you come? He said, Pastor, I've asked Jesus to save me. And, and I'm ready to be baptized. My God. I'm telling you, Brother Clayton never gets old. Never. Never gets old. College kid, addict, little child. And they walk through the door of faith. You say, Pastor, those kids, do they really understand? Well, did you? No, I don't know. they don't understand. They're, they just know this. They lost going to hell. Jesus died for them, and they're going to trust him. How about you? Unless you have childlike faith, the Bible says you'll never see the gates of glory. I got a text yesterday. From my buddy, Robbie Gallaty. Robbie's preached here for us. Robbie is now the pastor of a great church up in Nashville, Tennessee. Every time I see Robbie, he's about 6'4". He's a black belt in something. I don't know what it is. It, it's just this weird stuff. And he's got, I mean, he is like a tank. Hard. And every time I see him, I'll, I'll go, I say, hey, Robbie, he'll look at me. And I say, all right, let's go. Let's go. He said, Pastor, I don't think I can beat you today. I said, I knew you was chicken. <laughs> He'd break me in half. 20 years ago yesterday, Robbie Gallatin, who pastors one of the greatest churches in America today, was a drunk. 20 years ago, that was his driver's last picture. Twenty years ago, he walked in a jail. And a preacher talked to him. And his mama didn't give up on him. And his sweet wife brought the gospel. And that big giant 6'4", 5'2", 50, that big old preacher knelt down. And he asked Jesus to save him and change him. And he went through the door of faith. And he stepped from the room of lostness into the room of redemption. And God saved my buddy, Robbie Gallaty. And what God did for Robbie, he'd do for you. Yes. What God did for me when I was just a small boy, God will do for you. You come to second service, what God did for these Karis House girls, he'd do for you.
There's story after story after story in this church house. And what God's done for others, he'll do for you. You're online with us today. If you'll reach out to us, just text us. Just send us a text. 85050. 850-50. Just send us the word Jesus. We'll get back to you. We won't talk to you about knowing our Lord. Just, just send us that text. If you're on that Warrington campus, talk to one of our pastors over there. Or just kneel down in the altar and give your heart unto Christ. If you're in this room today, I'm going to invite you to walk through the door. Now, I started to do something today, but I didn't do it. You see this big glass up here? There, there's a black ribbon runs right down the middle. And if you mash the right button up there, we hadn't done this in 20 years, I guess. Then that glass will go apart. It'll open up. We used to have a screen up there. We'd do all the music and, and we'd move that out of the way. And then we'd bring it back. And the reason we put these screens on the side is because a child in this church came to me and said, you're the one that takes the place of the cross. So they'd open that up. I'd cross and go away, and my picture would come up on there on the screen like this. I said, we're going to fix that. <laughs> I, I don't want to be the one getting in the way of the cross. <laughs> but I thought back to those old days when we used to do it like that. And that glass literally will open up on those tracks. That's what the cross did. The, the cross opened the door. You can't open it. I can't open it. You can't beat it down. But the cross opened the door and says, whosoever will, let him come. Would you just put your arms out like that? Everybody, would you just put your arms out? Just, do you know that's what God's saying to all of us today? Whosoever will, come to come. He has opened to us a door of faith. Now this morning, we're going to do something. Uh, just a little bit I did it, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to give the backwards invitation today. John, come on, and I want you to sing. We have just opened what we call next steps out there. I'm going to the next steps room. If you're here and you need Jesus, we're not going to stop having a come forward invitation, but I'm, I'm going to do it different today. Because this is the first time I've been here and, and that we've really got it ready. And I, you'll have to go through all this stuff that's out here. But if you'll come to the door of the Next Steps unit, the Next Steps room, I'll be standing there like this this morning. If you need Jesus, I want you to come. If you want to join this church, I, I want you to come. Some of our folks will be there to talk to you. God will say, come, come. You say, oh, Pastor, I, I don't know if this church would receive me. Oh, yeah. We, we got a lot of people worse than you. You want me to? Point some of them out to you. Say, <laughs> oh, Pastor, I just don't know. The blood of Jesus cleanses us of all of our sin. And he opens a door, a door of faith.
to the Jew and to the Gentile. He says, whosoever will, let him come. Let him come. Lord, I'm looking across here this morning. I'm having this little nostalgia in this service. I don't know why. This, I think it's because you prayed, Brother Pete. Uh, God just kind of opened up my heart. Wayne, Michael, just Thanksgiving's coming. Think about that daughter we buried way back there. Thank God for heaven. Amen. Yeah. Oh, the grace. The grace of God. Aren't you glad he opened the door? Amen. You couldn't beat it down. Helen, what are you doing on the third row? It's a Helen Walton. She's been sick and gone. She's supposed to sit right there every Sunday. But she's with her family today. Amen. I just now saw you. I don't know who you are in this room. But if you come meet us out here, I'm telling you, God's opened the door. We want you to come be a part of this church. We want you to be a part of Calvary. We want you to be a part of heaven when you die one day. The door. Jesus said, I am the door. Anyone who come and enter in will be saved. Blessed be his name. Well, John's going to sing. When he starts singing, I'm going to start running. And when I, y'all let me get out, and I'll meet you over at the next steps table. Come to Jesus today. Come to Olive today. Come, we'll help you pray through whatever's in your soul this day. Let's rise, we'll sing. As we sing, we'll go. Bless you, Brother John. Sing forth, buddy.